Did they make the oh, I don't, I don't know. It's pretty close, but this is going to be a tag race. Look at this. Moves wow. out to win it. Carl Edwards bumping, dump, and run. Here comes Gordon right up to the bumper again. The bump and run. There it is. Uh, yeah, welcome to the Bumper Run Podcast. I'm your host, Michael D. White, joined by my two best friends, Matt the Statman Riley and Eric Daytona Ron. Hope you guys had a great weekend. Hope you guys had yourselves a engine, engine number nine, Chase Elliott type of weekend. He was the big winner down at the Ally 400, but uh, I don't think someone told him, hey, Chase, that's not your sponsor. That's Alex Bowman's sponsor. He had a rough one. We'll talk about it later on, but first, make sure you like, share, subscribe do all that fun stuff video available every tuesday morning on youtube audio every monday night except for this week and uh probably next week because we got a holiday weekend coming up too uh but we're, we're here we're live and alive on a tuesday fellas how the hell are you how is your weekend matt i i saw you on saturday we had a little your dad threw a diaper party for uh the incoming baby riley uh daytona ron you were uh you were off on your own excursions. What were you guys doing, man? How where are you? Eric, go well, ahead. I know you had a wild, a wild, yeah, different type, I, uh, type of wild weekend for you this weekend. I was up my hunting cabin with all the guys uh, for a work weekend up there. Um, of course, the weekend we all go up there and are free to go up there. It's ninety some degrees out. Not a single cloud in the sky. And we are ripping an old roof off of the hunting cabin, and we were putting a new roof on, <laughs> and it was exhausting, hot, brutal. Um, so I didn't catch any racing this weekend at all. Um, so yeah, it was it was hot and uh, exhausting weekend for me, and uh, it ended with uh, you know that rain delay race we saw on Sunday, which man did that affect how I took in this race this week. So uh, I'll get into that later on. So uh, to come full circle, I think a couple months ago, you told us on the podcast, you're like, oh, I was down my hunting cabin. A tree fell on it. Right. So now a couple months later, you finally got down there to uh, to do some repairs. Yeah. Well, the tree just didn't fall on it. My brother <laughs> and his buddy went up there to try to cut it down. And the tree, like it ended up being way bigger than they expected it to be. But they said, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to go for it anyway. Yeah. And it's the middle of the winter. It was windy, cold. And you know what? They started cutting, cutting. And next thing you know, boom, right through the middle of the cabin. Tree went down. So we had a rush up there at that time. It was 15 degrees out. And we had to Ooh. gut it, clean it out, shore up the wall, seal it all in so that there was an impending snowstorm uh, nor'easter coming <laughs> dropped another 20 inches so we had to get up there like immediately to seal it all in and fix it so uh this was the time when we were going to actually put the roof on and you know when we were sealing that up it was super cold putting the roof on here it is it was super hot but you know yeah. i learned a lot of cool things though that was something that i took from that you know i was kind of excited in a way because you know all those you know my dad and his buddies they you know you learn from those guys. So, you know, yeah. when I get older and I need to, you know, maybe possibly do that, um, it's good to, to retain some of that information. I never put a roof on. So some of the terminology, some of the stuff, it was, it was a cool process to learn um, for myself in case, you know, down the road, I could help someone or do it. So it was a learning experience, a lot of hard work, but you know, nothing uh, Daytona can't handle. 
I hope Brian at least came up and helped you put the roof yes. on. Oh, <laughs> yes. I wouldn't, Matt, I would not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't let him stay home. There was no way. I told my father that same thing. I go, listen, I go, if I'm late, it's because I'm dragging Brian out of his bed and uh -huh. he's definitely coming up because he didn't help with the cleanup. He didn't help build the trusses. So he was definitely going to help tear it up and put it on. So, uh, yeah, he was, he was up there and, uh, it, it looks good. I heard, uh, I heard while you're down there, you're discussing NASCAR a little bit, uh, do you want to? Do yeah, you want <laughs> yeah. There was a there was a little NASCAR being discussed, and uh, um, you know, my buddy PJ, he's a, a Chase Elliott fan, and and we did have a little a little conversation about Chase um, on Saturday, and uh, I end up wrecking myself later on, so uh, I'll get into the weeds later. Right. And uh, how about you, Matt? I saw you for about an hour on Saturday. I wish I could have stayed for the whole party, but uh, my girlfriend had a family party to get to uh, also. So uh, how was how was the rest of the diaper party? When I left, you guys were watching the Austin Dillon uh, reality TV show. Uh, did how how did the uh, Xfinity series race go for you guys? Um, yeah. So the diaper party was going on during the Xfinity race. I I honestly I tried to pay attention as much as I could, but with everyone there and everything, it's it's hard to you know. So uh, the, it went well. It was really really fun. Um, but uh, yeah. So it was in the the diaper party fell on the exact same weekend. We ended up moving into the new house, as you can see with the new background and everything. We're in the new house finally. So, um, it, uh, like much like Eric, it was a nonstop work weekend for me. Um, moving is not fun at all. Yeah. Um, when, when, when you finally get settled in, you take a second to, to look around, you can appreciate it. But, uh, the, the, the act of moving sucks big time. Uh, especially like Eric said, it, it was 90 all weekend and uh, just just not the best elements to be doing it. But again, super grateful. Finally home. I'm close. Uh, I'm recording this uh, as close to you guys as I've ever been while recording this. So I'm just right across the river from you guys. So uh, it's exciting times right now. I think uh, I think next stop we need to do a live show somewhere. Uh, maybe our buddy Douse's bar or something like that. Uh, get some rowdy people in the background. Um, but I, I do have to make one note about your diaper party. Uh, Mr. Riley, fantastic, fantastic sausage and peppers. I'm a big sausage and peppers guy. Uh, it was, it was a delicious sandwich. So I thank you for, uh, for having me. It was, it was fantastic. But, uh, do you guys want to jump into the, uh, the NASCAR news? We skipped last week. We went on a little vacation and, uh, we missed a whole lot of news in the meantime. You guys want to jump into it? Let's For once, the it. news. Let's hear it. Yeah, I got tons of stuff. So uh, it seems the Chicago street course is still on the table and likely to happen in 2023. We're still waiting on the schedule to be released later this summer. Unfortunately, uh, with a new street course, someone's got to lose a date, and it's being speculated that where we're going uh, this weekend, uh, Road America might be... The, uh, the date lost because they uh, were only on a two-year contract. They haven't signed any sort of uh, contract extensions or anything like that as far as I know. So uh, kind of unfortunate because I'm really looking forward to uh, this uh, road course at Road America. Uh, what do you guys think about that? I know last season we discussed the Chicago street course in length, and, uh, and uh, I feel like I was the only one who was for it, and now I think, uh, I think we're all against it. But uh, what do you guys think about that? 
It's not that I'm totally against it because, again, I'm willing to try everything once just to see how it goes. It might be the best freaking thing NASCAR has ever done, you know. So I'll yeah. reserve my judgment. Uh, I'm not excited about possibly losing Road America, though. Last year put on a really good show. I'm hoping this year puts on a really good show. Um, uh, and those fans really showed out up there. So for to give them two races and then to yank it from them, I just – I don't know. Uh, I don't know how I feel about it yet. Yeah, I think they got like 100,000 people last year, too, so – my thing is with with the street race, I was always against it um, just because it didn't, I don't know, I thought they were going, expanding out a little too far in my eyes from who we are as a sport. Yeah. But I will give credit when credit is due that the stuff that they have done in the last year, two years has worked and it's been fun. So as long as it's fun and entertaining, I think that's kind of where we're going right now is the the future of the sport they're trying to keep a little bit of both as far as you know it's, it's good nascar we're racing but the entertainment value's got to be there the fun's got to be there not too gimmicky but um like you said matt i'd hate someone to lose a date but how about this i just thought of this i don't know if it's ever a possibility i doubt it but do you think there'll ever be a point where nobody has multiple dates where the full schedule is completely different racetracks, the whole schedule. So there is no, Oh, you have two. I have one. I have zero yeah. and you have two. Cause like, that's kind of bullshit. Now some have two and some get stripped of their one. So what if it's just like, Hey, do you think it'll ever get to a point where it's just, Hey, the series is, even if they cut it, you know, uh, from 36, they cut it down and just have all the races be different races no back-to-back races no taking notes from how you did in the beginning to the second race and to yeah. do better or whatever what do you guys think about that i uh I i'm in complete agreement maybe not every single one a different but i would rather see a track with two dates lose one of their dates before a track with one date loses its yeah. exclusive date that's what i was gonna say yeah i mean some tracks i i do enjoy going back you know the super speedways i've said it at nauseam on this podcast. I love the super speedways. Go back to Dega and Daytona twice a year. Uh, some tracks, <laughs> Richmond, <laughs> don't need a second date. Uh, Phoenix, <laughs> don't need a second date. So there are certain tracks that we can definitely pull from um, and give to other tracks. So uh, the one thing I was thinking about, though, you know, I mentioned that, that Road America, you know, those fans would be getting a, a race ripped out from them. To my understanding... I actually don't think Chicago is that far away from road. America is in Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, I could be wrong, but I think it was, I think it's within like two, a two hour drive. I, th I, th I, mean, I think you're right. I think it's like a two or three hour drive. I know, um, uh, uh, pistol Pete Pistoni who works for MRN. He used to make the drive all the time out to Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin. Um, and I think they actually fly into Chicago and then drive out there. Uh, cause you hear like Dave Moody talk about stopping at the cheese castle and stuff like that. So, um, no, I, uh, uh, Matt, you named the four tracks that I had in mind exactly. I, I want to see Daytona and Talladega twice a year. Uh, everywhere else, you could take the I second. Could, I could live with that too. I could definitely live with the super speedways twice and everything else one. Um, but to go back, I, I just thought too, like the entertainment value and getting eyes on the sport. Um, I don't know where this street course would be but like i'm picturing like in a city like and 
imagine if you're just in your apartment building and you know there's a there's a race going on like you mean to tell me you're not gonna be looking out your window oh you yeah know, for checking sure out those cars going by so like there's there's fans and eyes on the sport that like you're almost they, there's no escaping it you know what i mean so like that might be a way to get new eyes on the sport via just where the race is like yeah there's no maybe grandstand set up or you know you'll have little things in certain sections of the street course but if you're going through a city man that must be that'd be pretty cool to live in those apartment buildings or some of those you know oh, places yeah. just seeing the, the cars go by it, it becomes a big event a spectacle yes. event yeah and uh, I, I think if you go back to our one, of, I forget what episode, I wish I could name it off the top of my head, but the episode we talked about it last year uh, where we kind of compared, you know, which would you rather going to Chicago as a street course or going uh, back to North Wilkesboro? Um, and I was fighting hard about not going back to North Wilkesboro and, and, you know, bringing the sport to as many eyes as possible. And, uh, you know, Wilkes County, North Carolina not a whole lot of uh, not a whole lot of people up there compared to downtown Chicago. So, like, I agree with that. You know, bring bring it kind of like what we did to the LA Coliseum. Bring it to downtown metropolitans. Um, I wouldn't want to see it more than once, though. I wouldn't want to see you know a New York City street course, a Miami street course, and all that stuff either. Because then, like you said, we're getting away from our identity as a sport. Also, you know. But uh, not to get in the weeds anymore, uh, like uh, on this. Yeah go, yeah, go ahead. Let's 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 keep it rolling. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, if you want to go back, <laughs> if you if you search the archives, you can find it. It was in one of the pickle lanes. And uh, I still stand by not going back to North Wilkesboro. Even today, someone this is a side tangent. I saw someone post on Twitter from back in the day. They're like uh, everyone that's completely. Complained about not going to North Wilkesboro doesn't remember the racing at North Wilkesboro. It was impossible to pass even back in the nineties. So uh, I don't know. I think uh, well, I think a lot of people have too much nostalgia for the track. Anyways, uh, suspensions. Cliff Daniels four race suspension after Kyle Larson lost a tire at Sonoma. Uh, we knew it was coming, but we just never didn't have the official word last time we recorded. Uh, Things can happen with Busher and his crew too. Yeah, a- absolutely. Um, I don't even know who Chris Busher's uh, crew chief is. I apologize on that one, but he's definitely taking a four week uh, vacation after, uh, after this past weekend. Um, a few weeks ago, we touched on uh, our history segment. We talked a little bit about Adam Petty and victory junction. I saw uh, Kyle Petty had a charity motorcycle ride. He does it every year. I saw them doing it um, in real time a couple of weeks ago and we didn't cover it. Uh, I wanted to wait until we saw how much money they raised. They raised $1.8 million for Victory Junction, which uh, I think is a great charity. If you don't, if you didn't listen to that episode a couple weeks ago, Victory Junction is a nonprofit summer camp for kids who are, you know, have terminal illnesses or disabilities and stuff like that. People who normally wouldn't be able to go to summer camp to kind of give them some sort of sense of, uh, of normalcy uh, as they're struggling as a little kid. So, uh, Big congratulations to Kyle Petty and the great work that that family continues to do uh, with that organization. $1.8 million for uh, riding across the country on a motorcycle. That ain't too bad, I tell you what. The King actually rode, too, and I heard he rode a a lot more miles than they all expected because Eric Jones, he rode with the King as well, being part of Richard Petty. So um, he was part of the the, the motorcycle ride and everything, too, and – I'll tell you what, man, the King for his age and, and, and his health, man, you got to give it to him. He, 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 he's still out there fucking giving it his all. 
I tell you what, like I don't I don't know how old the king is, but however old he is, he looks fantastic for his age. You know, I know he dyes the goatee and the hair to look younger and everything, but like just like maybe because he looked old back then. He doesn't look that old He's today. There. I mean, we just saw, you know, with Dolly Parton, you know, the whole with Nashville and her, like, same thing with her. Like, I know there's a lot of plastic involved in that, but at the same time, you still have to have the ambition and the energy to go and get up and still, you know, be active, just be active and be in the limelight still. And man, both of them, they, they, they're, they're killing it. Oh yeah. I, uh, I hope I could do that in my old age, but my knees are already hurting and I'm turning 34 next week. Uh, speaking though of Richard Petty and Eric Jones, Eric Jones says they're working on the final details of his contract at Petty GMS, uh, just working out the, the little tiny details right now. So expecting a, uh, an announcement sometime soon with that. I, um, I'm guessing he's not going anywhere if, uh, they're this far along in negotiations. Um, uh, let's see, uh, Fox speaking of, uh, the all-star race, uh, they're expecting to, uh, to look at the possibilities of moving it around, uh, maybe moving it to different markets and whatnot. That could be an interesting thing. Maybe make the all-star race, the Chicago street course. I I'd be down with that. Yeah. How about you, Eric? What do you think about that? I just think they should. I mean, I I think I've said this before. I think they should use the all-star race as like a a testing ground. Yes. A testing ground to see how it'll work. This yeah. way, no matter what, it's the like, fan can't bitch like because clash. it's only an all-star race. Yeah, it's not up points paying. Oh, Clash, try it out. You know, same thing. So use one or the other um, as like a kind of a testing. I, I would, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, I mean, we, we've we seen a little bit of uh, testing in the past couple of years with the all-star race. Uh, I know they tested what it was the 550 package uh, in what, 2018. Everyone loved it. So they brought it out for 2019. Uh, 2020, they tested moving the numbers around and stuff. So, uh, who knows? Uh, maybe if, I mean, who knows? I don't know. I, I hope we're right. In fact, I, I hope, uh, we don't lose any dates except from Texas. That, uh, that is just an awful, <laughs> awful track. Uh, speaking of Texas, uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, we know they threw a, an untimely caution. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. got into the wall in Texas during the all-star race as, uh, as Ryan Blaney was taking the white or no, he was taking the, the checkered flag. They said no white, no finishes under yellow. So they, they restarted. It was a big controversy. Well, uh, this past weekend, people were complaining. They didn't call the caution at the end of the race, uh, for Brad Keselowski and Cole Custer getting involved with each other. And that's because they said it last week, NASCAR was changing its caution calling process after what happened at the all-star race. And uh, so for all the people that have been complaining, uh, saying NASCAR rigged Sunday to let Chase Elliott win, um, that couldn't be further from the truth. They heard you complaining at the all-star race about throwing cautions too quick and, uh, and they adjusted it. And uh, both Cole Custer and uh, Brad Keselowski made it down to the apron, no problem. Speaking of Ricky Stenhouse Jr., though, he also signed a multi-year deal with JTG Doherty uh, over the weekend. That was announced. So you guys think about Ricky returning to the 47 car. Steady improvement. He's yeah. been improving year after year with them, and I feel like, I don't know if there's a, a culture change, but I feel like a lot of these drivers 
they want to go to a either a one car or a two car team. Yeah. And they don't want to go to these big top notch teams. They want camaraderie. They want family. They want to be the one. They don't want to have to worry about three other teammates and what they're doing and what I should do for them. So um, I don't know. I think these single car teams and these smaller teams is uh, is the place where some of these drivers feel most comfortable and uh, and are going to want to stay. So I have a question to pose um, off of what you just said. But first, uh, just jumping in, uh, Martin Truex Jr., he also said he'll be back next year. Um, so we kind of have both sides here. We have Martin Truex Jr. signing with the big, uh, you know, uh, JGR team, four-car stable. We have Ricky Stenhouse Jr. at a single-car stable. It was a two-car. They uh, they knocked out one of those cars because um, they went charterless. And now they have the single car charter. Uh, and then over the weekend, we hear rumblings that Dale Jr., of course, he talked about last year. He wants to get into the Cup Series. And it makes me wonder, uh, we have a finite amount of charters. Charters have to come from somewhere. Do you think that maybe, I'm not saying in the near future, but in the future, uh, the business model can kind of flip. And some of these big powerhouse teams will cut back to maybe a two-car operation, sell those charters for more than they, they paid in the beginning, kind of make a, a little bit of profit on that. And then maybe we see a whole bunch of smaller teams like Trackhouse, like Colleague, like Junior Motorsports, like JTG Doherty. Do you think there's a possibility there? I don't. And the only reason I say that is because a lot of these guys already have multi-year deals. I mean, look at Hendrick Motorsports, for example. They're all locked in for several years down the road. Well, yeah, that's so why I just said like something, it would down have the line. That they'd have to build up over time. Um, so maybe, maybe you know, long long term, maybe, but I don't see that happening anytime in the near future. Yeah, I could kind of see it happening whenever these new manufacturers that the rumor mill is spitting out. Yeah. Um, comes closer to fruition because that they're going to need either to buy a team out or get a charter somewhere too. Um, so like, I would think maybe at that time, maybe they would kind of start selling off and split them up and maybe like try to cash in on, on a good money grab too, selling those off. Like you're hinting at. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, to Matt's point, I don't think as anytime soon, I think, um, I think when the manufacturers try to get in, that would might be the best timing to try to maybe have that go down, but not anytime soon. Yeah. That just, it honestly just popped into the top of my head, you know, thinking about like, Oh, where could junior get a charter from? Uh, apparently they want to run some part-time races. I have a fun, uh, here, I'll just pull out the tinfoil hat right now. Fun little tinfoil hat, yeah. uh, right off the bat. I think if junior, uh, does want to run part-time, uh, in in the Cup Series, uh, they got to get like just a straight Hendrick car, right? Like I don't even know if that'd be allowed, but like run a Hendrick car as an open team, because uh, you know how like every year you know a couple open teams come and try to qualify for Daytona. Hendrick is always lightning fast and puts a car on the pole. Conspiracy theory says like, oh maybe you know that Junior Motorsports car wins the pole at Daytona and doesn't even have to worry about the duels and racing their way into the Daytona 500 kind of getting a, I don't know. Does that sound stupid to you guys? The looks on your face says yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna say yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Keep it moving. Should have left that one in the bathroom when I thought of it uh, before the show. Hey, Whitey. Uh, yeah. Get it together. <laughs> you wanna know what? The problem is we took a week off. Uh, this is what happens when you try to recharge the batteries. You uh, we took a week. We took a week off, and two out of the three of us didn't make the end of that race. So yeah, we, yeah. we apologize in advance if we're a little flat this week. Well, uh, we'll we'll talk about it. Hey, I remember uh, early on, um, we uh, we figured out the race dictates the podcast on Mondays. So uh, rain delays bring uh, sleepy podcasts. I guess I don't know. Anyways, uh, speaking of rain delays, Goodyear had a wet weather tire test at Martinsville. Uh, they're still trying to figure that out. Um, no developments there. And uh, sad news, Bruton Smith passed away. Of course, uh, longtime president of SMI in Charlotte, built himself an empire in racing. Just a, uh, a legend of the sport. And uh, I don't think we would be here today where we are to this level in NASCAR if it wasn't for Bruton Smith. So, uh, Big condolences to his family and, uh, you know, of course, uh, Marcus Smith uh, moving on and keeping that legacy going at SMI, of course. Uh, but that's all I have for news. You guys want to jump into the NASCAR history? It's a short one. Uh, on this date in 1990, no, yesterday's date, June 27, 1990, Days of Thunder was released. Uh, I think that's a red letter day in the history of NASCAR. Uh, I know uh, Days of Thunder. I was a huge fan of the movie before I ever got into the sport. Um, I assume a lot of people are like me. Uh, I I love Mellow Yellow because of it. I was the total opposite. I've I've been watching the sport my whole life. I just saw Days of Thunder for the first time like three or four years ago. Really? As an yeah. adult, you watch Days of Thunder as an adult? Yep. And it was awesome. I liked it. Okay. I'm like, pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I I watched it as an adult too. Like I didn't see it as, really? as a kid either. Like I'm gonna say, Matt. Same thing with you. Maybe five mm-hmm. in the last five or ten years. I, I yeah. probably saw it. But now, it, since then, now with that, but it held up since, to you guys for you guys though, since right? And I've seen it like twenty times. But like it, I I just haven't. I didn't get. It's one of those movies that it was like it was always on my list. I just never never got, got to, to it. it. And then finally, one day, I think it was, you know, whatever, a rainy day or a snowy day. And I said, you know, I'm going to watch it today. And I made it a point to watch it. And then I, I was happy I watched it. It's a good flick. You know what? And it holds up, too. I think it does. Like, it's just like it's kind of a nostalgia, like classic 90s movie. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that it still held up uh, when you watch it for the first time in, in your adulthood. You know what movie I was like that with, though, for the longest time was on my list. Never watched it. Uh, Shawshank Redemption. I had oh oh so I never saw it. And I always heard like oh Shawshank Redemption, phenomenal movie. The one day it was in Penn State. Uh, I was visiting for the weekend. You know how Penn State weekends are. I mean, Matt, you went to Penn State, so uh, you'd lived through it for years. Um, but it was like a Sunday morning before the football, like NFL games started, and uh, Shawshank Redemption was on AMC, and we were all watching in our buddy's uh, living room. I was like, this is one of the greatest fucking movies of all time. It's one of those movies, if you catch it on TV, you have to stop whatever you had planned, just sit down and watch the rest. Matt, I guarantee you will love Shawshank Redemption. Okay. It is a fantastic movie. Okay. it's That's one of those that's on my... That and The Green Mile are two movies 
that are on my list that I haven't seen yet. I never saw the Green Mile. I'm telling you, though, watch the Shawshank Redemption. It is it is a 10 out of 10 phenomenal movie. Um, speaking of uh, phenomenal, I don't know if it was phenomenal, but we had a pretty good NASCAR race. That way for you. Speaking of the Green Mile, we went to a 1.3 mile, mile track. track. We, we were transition. Listen, fans and listeners of the show, <laughs> stick with us. It's gonna get better as we go on here. All right, uh, let's jump into the race weekend. We were down in Music City, Nashville, and uh, for the second time in his truck series career running part-time, Ryan Priest won in Nashville. Uh, That's where his only wins have come in the truck series. Uh, Him and Zane Smith really dominated the day. He led 74 laps, and Zane Smith led 70 laps. In the end, it was Ryan Priest to get it done. Uh, Xfinity race on Saturday, another dominant race by Justin Allgaier dominating, leading 134 laps. And then on Sunday, I know you guys didn't get to see the whole entire race. I did. It was a dominant performance by Toyota all night long, but in the end leading two times for 42 laps Chase Elliott got it done at the midnight hour and you know that siren was going off in the middle of the night in Dotsonville, Georgia. Uh the race lasted the race lasted 3 hours and 35 minutes and 15 seconds on track time. Uh it went on for what 6 hours something like that with rain delay. We saw 10 cautions for 57 laps, a few weather delays. 18 lead changes among seven different drivers. I stayed up late. I bit the bull- bullet for the bump and run podcast. I knew you guys were snoozing and, uh, and I was like, you know what? I got to do it for the listeners, for the friends of the show. I got to stay up late and I'm glad I did. I thought it was a great race, but what did you guys think? Uh, were you even able to give it race grades? Uh, what, how'd you, how'd you figure out today? I gave it a race grade. I gave it a race grade. I mean, I did see up to the, until, you know, the, the rain delay. Um, and then, and then after that, I, you know, I, NBC puts out a hell of a highlight package, like legitimately like a half yeah. hour long. So, I mean, I feel like I saw all the important stuff. Um, so I, I mean, take my race grade with a grain of salt, but I did give a race grade. Okay. Uh, you want to jump into it then? Yeah. So from what I saw, I mean, it it seemed like a solid B plus race. Um, You know, like I said, everything leading up to the rain delay, I was able to see Um, the the racing seemed really good. It seemed like, you know, the front two or three cars would get out and and, and away from the rest of the pack, but they still kind of battled for the lead. So we still had that, that battle for the lead that we've been craving over the past couple of weeks. So that was good to see. Um, One of the things that I liked that didn't even really have anything to necessarily do with the actual racing was I like that Nashville is a concrete track. Yeah. I mean, much like Dover is as well. It's just a little bit better. You get used to those intermediate tracks. They're, they're almost all asphalt except for Nashville. And I just think aesthetically uh, it sets it aside from, from the other tracks and uh, um, you know, nothing that had nothing to do with my race grade or anything. I just wanted to, as a, as a little side note, uh, uh, point that out that I really like that. It's a concrete intermediate track. No, I, I think you make a good point with that because, uh, one, it takes rubber differently. It shows rubber differently. So aesthetically, it looks cooler on, uh, well, they pull the rubber up too. So yeah. like as a crew chief and as a driver, you have to realize that at the end of a run, 
when you're going around and you pick all that rubber up, you're going out there to a non-rubber track on this restart. So oh, that yeah. adds another element of strategy involved there as well. I uh, I don't know if you guys um, um saw it. I forget which uh, rain delay restart it was, but it was after a long caution period. Uh, all the drivers, they were getting ready to pit as the... Um, as the race was starting, but they were all scrubbing their tires before they even pit to put fresh tires on, which is something I don't think I've ever seen uh, in a race they so stop far. In their in their pit stall, they, you know what I mean? Exactly, <laughs> that's why they they need that grip yeah. to to hit their yeah. marks in the pit box too, which <laughs> I, I I thought was pretty interesting. Something you don't see on a on a week to week basis. Let me, Whitey, let me ask you something. So I didn't see that. Was that something that uh, the NBC crew pointed out? Oh, yeah, it they pointed like, yeah. It sounds like something yeah. that they yeah. were out. Okay, yeah. so right there, I'll get into it. I'll get into it. Oh, yeah. Right there, little things like that make the difference. Yep, and uh, I, I forget who pointed it out. I want to say it was uh, America's favorite crew chief. Uh, it sounds like something he would point Stevie out. Stevie Lathart. Um but yeah, how about uh, how about you, Eric? What was your ace grade? I think you did the similar thing with the highlight package, right? Yeah, um, the majority. I mean, I saw stage one, stage two. I just didn't see the the stage three. Um, from what I saw, um, and then the highlights, it seemed like nothing changed as far as the racing that I saw to the last stage. Yeah. Um, like Matt, it seemed clean air was key for those guys up front. I know Denny. Um, he talked about that a lot um, during some of the delays and how he wanted to get back up front. And when he got out front, his car drove completely different and that's what he needed. Yeah. Um, so th that was there. Um, but what I had down was I thought if, if this, if, if NBC didn't have this race, it's probably a C or a D race. Oh yeah. But but because they showed they NBC knew that clean air was key and the front three drivers weren't battling hard or whatever. So they did the right thing and didn't show the leaders. Yeah. They went and showed the actual battles that were going on. A in lot the, of in, battles in, in the mid pack. Right. Because that's where the dirty air was. That's where these cars. Hey, guess what? You ran top five. Now you're in 15th after this pit cycle. Now let's see how your car handles. Now let's see how you could drive. And they were showing that. So yep. I think they actually amplified. And I would I would love to go back and see some of these C and D grades that I gave. I bet you they were probably better races than what we actually got to see or what was broadcasted to us. So I just think that that added a little bit more um, excitement for me that they were showing those battles. Um, one, my guy was battling back there in 11th to 15th all day. Yeah. So it, it, it was cool to see that and then focus on those cars. Um, but yeah, it's just a solid B race from what I saw. There was passing, um, you know, the restarts were crazy, four wide, three wide. Um, it, it was just, it was just a good race. There, there was nothing bad. There was nothing really crazy that could stand out as far as, oh my God, I can't believe that happened. Um, but yeah, I just think it was, it was overall, it, it, it was just a good, good race. Yeah. I, uh, I echo your guys' state standard, uh, uh st I echo your guys' sentiments, sentiments. sentiments. <laughs> uh, I completely agree. I gave it a B. And in fact, as soon as the race was over, 
I sat, I sat up off the couch and I said to myself, that was a solid B race. I'm glad I stayed up and watched it. Um, so yeah, uh, despite the weather, I thought it was a solid race. Seemed hard to pass, like Matt said, for the lead. But we still saw those battles. We saw, you know, Kevin Harvick battling up front for third and fourth place and stuff like that. You know, we saw Martin Truex Jr. and Denny battling for the lead on restarts. And uh, like Eric said, we saw those mid-pack battles on the broadcast. And not only did we see a lot of them, we didn't just see two cars zoomed in on each other or one car zoomed in. We saw nice wide angles from the corners. We saw seven cars on the racetrack at one time and you could really see stuff going on. We saw the broadcast covering a driver struggling in the middle of the pack with the handling of his car. And then Dale Jr., before he the guy hits the wall, he goes, he's about to hit the wall, and he does. Uh, it just goes to show you the difference, the light and day, night and day difference between what we saw on Fox for the last four and a half months and what we saw on NBC right out the gate. Uh, Twitter echoed the same sentiment. Uh, everyone was loving the broadcast. You still have haters that hate. You know, the broadcast crew, people talk shit on Rick Allen or Jeff Burton or Dale Jr. or all those guys throughout. But like you're that's just haters. You're going to get haters, you know, who are you going to say, Matt? I'll never understand why people hate on Rick Allen. I think he is so goddamn good at his job. Yeah, he's again. I'll get into it. I'll get into it a little later on. But yeah, I, I think I think they all do a fantastic job. Um, I'm, I was just really happy and I really enjoyed the late race drama. Um, I don't know, like, because you guys watched the highlights, you saw the drama unfold, but like, as it was happening, it was really exciting, uh, with the green flag stops and, and, uh, Chris Busher's wheel going off. And then, uh, then we saw, you know, um, uh, Josh Balicki, I think it was Josh Balicki, right? His engine expired yeah. and stuff. So really throwing wrenches all over the place, different strategies and stuff. I love that kind of stuff. Um, I hated it for some of the Toyota guys that pitted uh, on that last uh, caution and then lost tons of track position and never made it back up. But um, yeah, fucking solid B, B plus race. Loved every minute of it. And, uh, and you know, Eric brought up watching and the environment. Uh, I feel like I watched three different races on Sunday because when the race started, I went up to our buddy Shrey's house. Uh, he had a little, little barbecue cookout deal going on. So I watched the first section of the race on my phone till the rain delay. Then we were playing yard games and all that stuff. And then once that rain delay ended, we all went inside and watched that part until the next rain delay. Then I went and got ice cream and then I watched the f- final at uh at my girlfriend so it was like it was it was like three days of racing for me all in one afternoon evening so it, it was kind of fun but uh you guys want to jump into the checkers and wreckers let's do it all right uh eric let's start with you since we went to matt or just, do you want to start with me because i actually watched the race i don't know like uh, let's do that all right yeah I like that. You never go first. I never go first. All right. I am going to give my checkers. And uh, I was I thought long and hard. I'm like, all right, obvious one, NBC. No, I'm giving it to Toyota. 
I was nervous about Toyota's performance uh, early on in the year. If you go back to uh, some of the first episodes, I was like, man, what's going on with Toyota? They're barely getting guys in the top 10. Uh, you look at Denny Hamlin, he's got two wins on the season, but he's still sitting in 20th place, taking up uh, some dire playoff spots for people that are um, way more consistent than him. But um, yeah, it, it, I just I think they've been running really well lately. And Sunday might have been the best performance of the entire year for the manufacturer as a whole. I know a Chevy won, but it didn't tell the whole story of just how dominant JGR was. And uh, I wrote down some stats. I feel like Statman Matt on a Tuesday here. Uh, Denny finished sixth. I think he had one of the best cars all night. Him and Martin Truex Jr. swapping the lead like crazy. Um, I just want how many laps did he lead? Denny led five times for 114 laps. It was a th- what a 300 lap race. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. led six times for 82 laps. Kyle Busch led two times for 54 laps. Besides the 42 laps that Chase Elliott led near the end, like nobody else led anything. Like they led maybe six laps, maybe four laps. You know, so just Toyota dominating hard. And uh, even Bubba had a super fast car in practice, rough qualifying effort. Um, and then, you know, we all know what happened on pit road. Uh, and that goes to my Bush. I mean, oh, look Kurt, at Bush, Kurt Bush's day. Kurt Bush yeah. finished in second. He was yeah. in position to win on that last restart, yep. you know. Um, so, yeah, just a, a solid day. I think every Toyota ran in the top. Every Toyota ran in the top 10. Christopher Bell had a solid day. He was in the top 10 for a lot. I had him on my fantasy team. He fell back a couple times through like pit cycles and stuff where he dropped to 20th, but just a fantastic day for Toyota. Will they have a fantastic day next week? I don't know. It seems to be hit or miss. It really depends on the track for these guys. So we'll see what they bring at Road America. But when it comes to mile and a half, I think Toyota really figured it out recently. Uh, someone that needs to figure it out, someone that needs to get it together is uh, the 23 cars pit crew. And that's my wreckers. Uh, because how many times have we talked about Bubba's pit crew just letting him down this season? It, it's to the point where I didn't think it could get any worse, but now his pit crew is affecting other drivers' days. And, uh, and I might be salty because it was my driver who just ha- so happened to have made up four spots on pit road and got himself into the top 10 on that restart before he smashed into the back of bubble walls, who uh, mysteriously just stopped in the middle of pit exit because his crew chief was yelling, stop, stop, stop. And with no explanation, because uh, they were about to lose a tire for yet another loose lug nut on that team, which I believe is the seventh one we've seen this season where they had a loose wheel and either had to bring the car back onto pit road and correct it. Multiple, multiple spots lost over the entire season. It is so bad. And you know, it's bad when you go on Twitter and you search Bubba Wallace and it's not the normal haters that don't even watch NASCAR that just hate Bubba to hate Bubba, but it's people hating Bubba's crew for just sucking, which is exactly what you should see on Twitter. Uh, so there's been a shift on social media where people are like, man, what the hell's going on with Bubba's crew here? If, if I'm Bubba Wallace at this point, Monday or Tuesday after the race, I'm rolling into that shop with two pairs of boxing gloves, one for one for himself and one for each member. And I'm saying, let's go each of us. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. I'm boxing every one of you. Let's go. Because I'm so pissed off 
at your lack of performance. If I'm Denny Hamlin, I'm going in there and I'm asking those guys, do you guys want to work in this industry? If- because it, because it's, I don't think you do with how many times you screwed up. I feel so bad for Bubba. He's had a top three or four fast car, like literally three or four races this year yeah. and nothing to show for it. And it's, and it's legitimately, it's not us making excuses for him. Legitimately every time his crew is killing him. Like the data the doesn't lie. Right. Well, this is perfect segue here because my checkers is actually Bubba Wallace. Yeah. Stepping up and actually confronting and calling out his team. Yeah. Um, I love that he did that. Like he he has every right to. If Kevin Harvard could do it, if Kyle Bush could do it, if there's other drivers out there that don't get criticized when they publicly scrutinize their 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 crew, and why shouldn't he? And it's yeah. like you know, because he has every right. And I know people would be like, oh, well, you know, Harvest a champion and so is a champion and they have this many wins and that. Like, they have all that. They could yell. It if doesn't you matter. Just look, it doesn't matter. If you look at the stats, like you guys are just saying this year, um, Bubba, how he's been running and the reasons that he doesn't get the finishes, there's no doubt in anyone's mind, it's all due to that crew. And it's like, you are screwing this dude out of, legit top five top tens and even two wins this year that he probably could have gotten but his crew screws it so you know what i'm i'm giving my checkers to bubba because i am so glad that he stepped up and actually spoke up and said you know what this shit's gotta change and uh you know he he deserves that that right to step up and criticize his his pit crew Eric, I uh, and again, I apologize. I've been removed from reality the past couple of days, so I, I missed. What did he? Did he do it over the radio? Did he do it? In oh yeah, I, I missed it. Oh, he did it on the radio. Like okay. right after that, he was like, I forget ex- the exact quote, but it was along the lines of "Shut the fuck up." It was as Booty Burke Baker was making excuses. He goes, "Shut the fuck up! I don't want to hear you talk." For the rest of the race, I don't want to hear yeah. your voice. So then, then his crew chief, you know, Booty came back. He goes, "Listen," he goes, "I understand you're frustrated. You know, uh, I, I get it." He goes, "I'm still gonna talk to you." He goes, "But you know, I, I understand." So yeah. he was still talking to Bubba, but Bubba legit didn't say one more word for the entirety of the race. Not one more word. And then after the race. He ended up speaking with somebody. I saw the quotes on Twitter, so I don't really know where he right. said it. If right. it was an interview or whatnot, mm-hmm. I read on uh, on Twitter some of the quotes where he basically, you know, he he came out and criticized his crew. He goes, "I'm tired of 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 driving up through the field numerous times during a race." Yeah, and that's the thing too. Like, it's not like his crew screwed up and okay, it was one time. No, Bubba. He actually has his crew's back, drives through, and says, you know what, guys? Let's stick it together. I, I got this. Then they do it again and again and again. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I, I, at what point do you just say, you know what? I, 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 could, I could overcome this every once in a while because, hey, we all know this. Shit happens on pit road. But if you, like, I don't know who it was on Twitter. I saw a lot of people, they dug deep into this. And, like, his crew is just comically comically worse than every other crew as far as loose wheels coming off errors on pit road shit getting stuck it's just comically bad and you know what i'm just happy he spoke up for himself because you know we've stated on here how you know he gets scrutiny for stuff that he shouldn't 
And, you know, his his mental health and, and, and Matt, and he stated it a bunch from that um, Netflix show that he's watched with him and and how it, it affects you as a driver. Oh, yeah. And, you know, now to deal with this and, and not only have all of that that he deals with on, on a week-to-week basis, but now your crew is is actually stealing, destroying, stealing wins away from you. It's stealing wins and destroying him from shutting those haters up by – because everyone's like, oh, you know, I want to see him drive. I want to see him drive. Well, he's trying to prove to these haters that he's supposed to be in that ride. He's supposed to be in the Cup Series. And he's has the talent to get up there and drive in the top five and win races. And his crew is taking that away from him. And all he wants to do is shut those haters up, as would I. Yeah. And he's trying that. And he's doing it. But these finishes at the end being taken away from him, man, it's heartbreaking to watch. And like you have to, you have to think Denny Hamlin can't be happy with this, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm almost certain. I don't know for a fact. We'd have to look real deep into into the data, but I'm almost certain. I saw on Twitter that Bubba Wallace has never made up a spot on pit road after after a pit stop. Like he's never gained a position on pit road this season, and there's. No one else no, he to blame. Has a, a, a negative. He probably I think loses he does. ten to fifteen each time. I think he does. And you want to know what it was? What it was? What you were complaining about early on in the season with Eric yep. Jones, where you're like, man, why did they, why does he keep losing spots on pit road? But it's because Eric Jones's team is taking the time to actually, you know, make sure the lugs are tight and everything. They don't want any errors on pit road. So at least he loses spots, but he doesn't have to worry about his wheels coming off. You know, or going to the back, back of the yeah. lead lap, or losing. You know, have to come down pit road for a penalty, having like, to come so, back down to tighten it because they didn't get it tight on the pit stop because they're flying through them and everything. And we know this pit crew is from Joe Gibbs Racing. Like they're tin foil hat, been saying it for years. Gibbs is sabotaging any team that he has an affiliation with. And it goes back to Martin Truex Jr. winning the championship because he'll never let another team outperform his main team. It's I I'm, I'm sorry. Like you could call me crazy. I don't think I'm crazy here that, uh, that they're sending them over subpar people, you know? And then I don't Mike Wheeler, Mike Wheeler had three good seasons with Denny Hamlin six years ago. Uh, hasn't done shit since. Couldn't get Matt DiBenedetto a win with uh, LFR racing back in the day. Couldn't get Bubba a win with 2311 last year. And somehow he, he got promoted to competition director. Well, guess what? As a competition director, maybe you should be taking care of the flaws in your competition. And the flaws are your pit crew. So, like, what are we doing here, you know? And now like, it's, affect- like, and, and now it's look- affecting other people on pit road. Right, like look at what Chad Canas and Jeff Gordon did for Hendrick. That is what they need over there at Joe Gibbs. Yeah. They need somebody to step up, take charge, and be like, hey, these guys, you're done. You're out of here. We got to get new guys in. Like, I don't care how long you've been here or who you're friends with. Yeah. You're done. You know, Clear this is house. the business. Yeah, this is what we have to do. We have to win. You're not, it's performance based business. You're not performing up to the standards of, of all these other cup teams. Then guess what? You're gone. I was so, um, I was on a twi- uh, tear on the Bump and Run podcast Twitter. Uh, I'm sure we made some friends and that, some dude, enemies. I was that and I'm like, dude, Whitey is just—he is going down a fucking rabbit hole. 
Um, but I, I have to read this tweet because uh, Bob Pockers was talking about, you know, who the structure and the hierarchy and who's charged. And someone goes, wheels needs to clean house. They've been terrible on pit road. And I go, wheels needs to be booted from the house. He had six and I it basically did the six good seasons uh, or two, three good seasons with Denny six years ago uh, rant I just did. But like, it's, it's outrageous. I don't know. I don't even know how Kurt Busch got a win and a second place finish yesterday this season. Uh, his crew's been shit too. They been have. Screwing him out of a lot of good finishes this year as well. So, yeah. but and good he, for Bubba. He stuck up for himself. Deserves to do that. Um, my wreckers, me. Okay. Wrecking me. Yeah. So back to the conversation I had on Saturday at my hunting cabin uh, with my buddy PJ <laughs> and. Uh, so we get bullshit about NASCAR and, um, you know, I go, PJ, I go, I know, because I, I think I asked him if he thinks he'll hold the the points lead and win the, the regular season. Yeah. And I go, I would just really love to see him win more on ovals and not just road courses. Yeah. I feel like, you know, that – to me, it's all it's this is my opinion. It's my little stigma I have for him is that's a one trick pony with road courses when it comes to chase. I know he runs well everywhere else, but it seems that the wins were only kind of coming at road courses. I just I like think the consistent to, to really, wins. Yeah, to round out his whole entire career. Um, if he could start rifling off those wins, man, he he he's he'd basically be unstoppable. Yeah. So I'm going on and on about that. We're going back <laughs> and forth. I'm like, yeah, he needs to win at more ovals, you know, road course. He's like kind of a one trick pony and he's going back and forth. And literally I was waiting for it. Once I found out that chase won, look at my phone the next day. First text message <laughs> I see from PJ. He goes, I can't wait to hear you on your podcast. Talk about him winning on an oval. <laughs> and I go, you know what? He goes, I, I it, it Seems to me, I don't know what it is. Every time I'm not a big shit talker, ball buster, I leave that to my brother. Yeah. Because I feel like every time I do do it, this happens to me. I look like a fool, you know? So, like, I go to races with Matt. Dale Jr. wins every single time I go. <laughs> yeah. Now he's an Elliott fan. We'll bust balls. Chase Elliott wins every time I go to a freaking race. So, like, sometimes every time I open up my mouth, and I start busting balls. So this is why I kind of uh, took it easy on you, Whitey, in the last no, couple months. No, no. Start like... busting my balls. I need that that good good energy in the air. Please. Please. So I, I, I got to, you know, I got to take it easy on that. Because every time I bust balls, they do well. So maybe I got to start wrecking Eric Jones a little bit more and just criticizing his ass. Yeah. Please talk shit on Tyler Reddick, please. I felt so defeated after this weekend. Every weekend, you guys know, it just gets harder and harder ever since the Bristol. Well, you know that feeling. Like, as soon as I saw Chase one, I knew PJ was going to. I oh, knew yeah. I was going to get a text. I just knew it. It's like, oh, here we go. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. How about you, Matt? What's your checkers and records for the weekend? So, you know, because I I, I candidly didn't see a lot of the race, um, um, I, I, I kind of, my both my checkers and my records are, are things that f came away from the track. My checkers uh, it went to low-hanging fruit, uh, went to the NBC broadcast. So yeah. 
We just it needs to be said though. It, it, it might be low hanging, Matt, but it, it it needs to be addressed. We just spent four months of the season cursing Fox up and down. Uh, you know, not because again, not because we wanted to, but because it affected the way we consumed the races in a negative way. So yeah. it would be hypocritical for me to, if I didn't mention how good NBC was, uh, on Sunday, uh, and, and it came to no surprise. We all called it for months. We can't wait for NBC to come. We can't wait for NBC to come. It seems like NBC learned the lesson of all the criticism that Fox got. Oh yeah. Overhead shots. We had uh, thoughtful insight, Whitey, like you mentioned about about Steve Latart uh, mentioning before, but you know after after um, after a rain delay of how they were how they were scrubbing you know, the tires, yeah, rubbing the tires onto the onto the cement to get the rubber built into the track, and Steve Latart calling it out, little things like that, hard hitting journalism from Parker ago, Kligerman Whitey, during. Go ahead, Hard-hitting journalism from Parker Kligerman during the rain delay. I know Eric was talking about the uh, the interview he had with Ross Chastain before yeah. the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know we go back to a couple years ago that that call that uh, Rick Allen made um, when when Kyle Busch was was pitting oh. and how he lowered the jack and just the way they called ever that so pit slightly. stop. Just little things like that. All these little nuances make for an amazing broadcast. The great camera angles. Um, God, it was so good and refreshing to have that crew back. And it was not only the booth that did a fantastic job, but you can tell the people, the folks behind the camera and down in that truck actually care about the sport that they're broadcasting Absolutely. to the consumers. And uh, it, it came across the television screen, like I said, a little bit that I did see uh, of how much that, that whole crew really cares about our sport. So it was just refreshing. And I look forward to the rest of the season uh, getting to get and watch them get better and better as, as each race continues. Not only was it refreshing, Matt, it was informative. Yeah. Uh, I think NASCAR fucked up because you have a new car. Um, they struggled Fox explaining the details and working out the iron with this new car. They did a shitty job at explaining this new car Awful. and with the wheels and, and everything. Now, NBC, it was informative. They, they broke it down. They, they gave you the, the details of why things happen and when things happen and, and why they did this and that. And, the, and just a little bit of background of it. Everything was just informative and, you're trying to get eyes on the sport to the new fans. NBC should have started the season with this new car because yeah. they were way more informative in their broadcast in helping to explain in layman's terms to the fans and audience what is going on when there's these issues. So I, I did appreciate that. The, the one thing that, that Steve Latart does an excellent job at is talking to the fans who aren't necessarily gearheads. He talks, he speaks in layman's terms. He, he, he breaks down things like the way the wheel goes on in a way where everybody can understand it after he gets done explaining it. And, and, and like, like I said, the things like that go such a long way to helping the, the uh, uninitiated understand our sport a little bit better. Oh, okay. That's how the wheel goes on. Yeah. That's how it locks into place. So it doesn't come off. Right. That like we tried explaining that. So and I, then, like everyone probably thought like, well, what are they talking about? Like, what is that? We tried, but without that awesome visual, visual that NBC had, you would have no idea what we were talking about. So I'm glad you brought that up, Eric, because I want to give ourselves a, a big pat on the back for that one. So so um, if you didn't listen early on in the season, at Daytona, 
uh, Brad Kozlowski got popped for modifying the wheels. And we tried to explain it the next week where like, oh, there's all these holes on the back of the rim. And he was he was boring them out just a little bit. That way it slides on these pins that are on the, the axle and all this stuff. And we tried to explain it because we thought it was important for the fan and the listener to know. And we tried to convey that even if we didn't quite understand all the little details. I know, I know, Eric, you explained it your way. I explained it my way because we both uh, took different sources to try to figure it out. Like we were figuring it out together, like all the other fans, because we're not in the garage, but, but we did our best to explain it. And, and I'll give the credit to NBC because yes, they had four months to see Fox's mistakes and what to do differently. Um, I still think and so they, they gave, came out firing on all yeah, cylinders though, but they gave us that information while Fox, while we were trying to give this information four months ago on a podcast and explain it through words with no visualizations, because we thought it was important to, to tell the, the listeners and the fans of the sport, how these things work. Uh, Fox was making comedy skits about right. uh, seeds on on Ross Chastain's lip and uh, and rivalries that didn't exist between Chase Elliott and uh, and and Kyle oh. Larson. So you see the difference in the broadcast. You know NBC taking the sport seriously, broadcasting it as a serious sport, uh, which is enjoyable, I think, uh, yeah. versus Fox with Clint Boyer and and no due respect to Clint Boyer but they're going for comedy and it's a family show and yeah, bring the family to a track cause it is fun and it, it is nice to see families at the track, but like it's still a serious sport. There's, this is a big money sport. This is competition and I want to know more about the competition. I don't necessarily need to see uh seven zoom in shots of kids playing in the infield. I would rather see, you know, uh, big kids in cars zooming around the track, you know, that's just me. All three of us, all three of us are into comedy. We all follow comedians. We all listen to comedians, podcasts and and whatnot. We love our comedy, but I don't, do you think we're pulling out the tinfoil hat for no reason? It's to make people laugh a little bit too. You know, you can have fun. I don't don't go to NASCAR to laugh. I don't watch college football to laugh. I go because I want to consume the sport that I love. Yeah. And I take it seriously. Dale jr. Recently said, uh, uh, and he put it very elegantly. These guys are warriors. Let's treat them like they are. Yeah. Warriors. They're not up there. They're not stand up comics. They're not, we're not here for jokes. We're here to be informed by the sport that we love and to watch the battle unfold. And, uh, and, and NBC takes it seriously again, you know, I'm not trying to be a stiff or anything like that. There's time for jokes. There's time. And they'll bust each other's balls every once in a while. But for the most part, they're they're doing an, an excellent job of explaining all the little details to give us a better product and I, have us understand it. I would rather laugh naturally than from some forced bit, you know? Right. Like I think Michael Waltrip is hilarious in the booth doing truck races when he's just making subtle little jokes. I don't think right. he's too funny when he's running on the gridwalk, you right. know, and trying to make a spectacle. I'd rather see the natural personality come out than than some forced comedy, but, but how about your records? What's your records for the weekend? So my records, um, well, how about this? So, uh, on, on the last episode, two weeks ago, I wrecked Whitey. Yeah. I don't even, um, oh, cause I didn't play Daniel Suarez on my fantasy team. That was a big on mistake. This week's episode, I think for the very first time in show history, 
two of us wrecked ourselves. Oh, Eric yeah. wrecked yourself. I am wrecking myself uh, for different reasons. Uh, I wrecked myself because um, I just couldn't stay awake for after the rain delay. Okay, so let me take you back in time. The last time I did this, I promised myself I'll never do it again. Yeah. It was July 5th, <laughs> 2015. I had, I had, similarly enough, I had to get up early the next day. It was a travel day for work. And I remember specifically telling my dad, it was the Daytona race. I remember specifically telling my dad, I got to go to bed. I can't stay up. This race is running late. Um, but it was I know what, a happen. six hour rain delay, right? Something I, like I, that. I forget why I couldn't stay up. It was either a rain delay again, or I just, I forget why, but I knew, I, I remember I had to get up very early the next morning. So I said, you know what? I'm not, it's not worth it. I'm going to go to bed. But I remember telling my dad before I went to bed, we were talking about the race. I said, I guarantee you, I'm going to go to bed and Dale Jr. is going to win this race. Yeah. Lo and behold, I wake up the next morning, look at my phone. First thing I see, Dale Jr. won the race. My heart sunk into my stomach because, oh my God, the Dale Jr. wins don't come often. I missed it. Like, <laughs> I missed it. So I vowed, no matter what, no matter what time I have to wake up the next day, no matter what's going on, I'm not going to miss the race if it's within my control. This race was within my control. I could have stayed up, but I just, uh, like we talked about earlier, had a long weekend. I just, I couldn't do it. Uh, the the first thing, the last thing I said to Stephanie was, we're going to go to bed. My wife, I, I, I told her, we're going to go to bed. Chase Elliott's going to win this race. <laughs> um, just like Eric brought up our buddy PJ and his records, I'm bringing up PJ and my records. Uh, PJ and I talk, we're both Chase Elliott fans. We talk during every race. We send each other information that we're getting from various sources and whatnot about Chase so we can keep each other informed. Yeah. And uh, before the rain delay, he sent me a graph showing uh, Chase Elliott's um, lap times and that he was the fastest. He was he had the best Cut car out through there. the field. And I just knew it. I just, I knew it. Yeah. The first thing I did, it was the same feeling. Seven <laughs> years later, almost to the day, seven years later, I woke up on Monday morning, flipped over my phone and saw that Chase won. And I was like, oh my God, I did it again. So I'm not doing that anymore. I wrecked myself. I'm not missing another race if it's within my control. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm happy he won, but it's just not the same when you miss your guy win. So what you're telling me is I need Eric to bust my balls about Tyler Reddick. <laughs> and then I need to go to sleep in the middle of the race on Sunday <laughs> and hopefully sleep through the end yep. and wake up to Tyler Reddick's first win. Right. Yeah. Yes. That's what needs to happen. All right. Uh, do you guys want to go through my race notes? Um, so a lot of this has to kind of do with the, uh, the final stage, which you guys missed because, uh, things got shaken up, uh, with some, some late race cautions. Um, Kurt Busch, he led, he, he came in second. He led, uh, once for three laps, but he scored stage points in both stages. So a really fast car. Uh, Ryan Blaney, he had a consistent top 10 car all night long. He had some issues that put him into the wall though. I don't know if you guys caught that one. Uh, I think that was yeah. after the, the final rain delay, but that he had was it in the highlight package. Yeah. yeah. So he yeah. had to go, but he had to go to the, uh, to the back. He worked his way back up through some pit strategy, ended up, uh, coming in third at the end of the night. So, uh, great, great drive by Ryan Blaney, uh, overcoming that adversity. Uh, Kyle Larson, consistent top 10 car all night long, but, uh, not much in terms of like running up front. And I said to you guys on, on Monday when we were talking, 
I, I feel like this season is the season that I thought Kyle Larson was going to have last season coming off from being out for, you know, almost a full year. Uh, I figured it would take him time to get used to uh, the cup car again. And, and he proved me wrong and he lit it up around the summertime again, what 10 wins last season, this season, it seems like he's struggling every week. The odd makers uh, in Vegas are, are picking him to win. And, and he only has one win on the season. Uh, are you guys concerned at all about Kyle Larson? I feel like he's uh, he went from top dog at Hendrick to uh, to second fiddle behind Chase real quick. I'm not concerned. Um, I, I do hear in his demeanor on you know radioactive that maybe could lead me into some concern. Yeah. Um, I, I just feel like sometimes Larson just doesn't give a shit about NASCAR. Yeah. Um, that's just my opinion. I feel like he would much rather race during the week. That To me, that is where L Larson wants to race during the week, and then on Sundays on the weekend. He's just paying eh, the bills. Okay, it just kind of, that just pays the bills. But yeah. NASCAR really yes. loves during the week. Yeah, NASCAR is his means to race uh, during the week yeah. on the dirt. That's what, yeah, they, they NASCAR pays the bills. I can't help but feel the same way. Maybe we're wrong. You know, we don't know the yeah. guy, but the way it comes off that the that last is, couple weeks, especially the way it came off, like he's been right. talking about all oh, like, I, yeah, this, I got to go racing during the week. So, you know, qualifying's here. Like, uh, like, it just seems like most of his focus is racing during the week rather than, you know, on Sundays. And, and to me, like, okay, he got that one win. Now he knows he's kind of like, okay, I'm there. And, uh, I don't know. I just think his focus is off a little bit right now. And, um, you know, knowing like Whitey, to your point about last year, he had to prove something. He proved it. Now this year, it's like okay, maybe he could switch that focus to the midweek dirt racing rather than full on focus on coming back to the cup. So yeah. I don't know. I just think it, we'll have to wait and see here. I tell you what, uh, someone that is focused on winning that cup right now, he came in fifth. It's Ross Chastain. Wasn't really much of a factor all day. Uh, definitely not what we've come to uh, custom to see out of him. But, I mean, everyone has an off week every now and then. And uh, if a fifth place finishes an off week for Ross Chastain, I think that's a pretty good uh, off week. So uh, I wasn't surprised there. Denny Hamlin, he came in sixth. I feel like uh, he had a really good shot to win uh, again, you know, Hit strategies and whatnot kind of bit him a little bit. Austin Sindrick, uh, seventh place. I don't think he deserved it, to be honest with you. He was running in like 20 he had issues too during the day. He did have issues. He was running in the back of the pack for a lot of a lot of the day, he struggled mid-pack all race, and then uh some late race strategy put him in the top 10. He was able to hold on to it. Uh Christopher Bell, another guy, like I said earlier on uh, when I was talking about Toyota, he was just up and down all night long. I had confidence in him, though. I played him on my fantasy team. Uh, I was a little nervous, and then uh, he got me a, a top 10, and I won the weekend in fantasy. So it was a good weekend for fantasy for me. Uh, Joey Logano, he was another guy who was really a non-factor all race, scored no stage points. Uh, he led twice for four laps. I'm pretty sure that was during green flag uh, pit stops and then uh, scored himself a ninth place finish. So uh good day, I guess, in the end for Joey Logano. And then Kevin Harvick, I feel like he was a factor early on, uh, really battling hard for third, ended up with a 10th place finish. Uh, felt like he floated around fourth all night long. And then as the runs would go on, he'd kind of 
fade back a little bit. It was fun watching uh, Harvick do well at uh, Shredder's house, though, because, you know, our buddy Shrey is a huge Kevin Harvick fan. And uh, it was fun watching him run in third, but then him getting pissed that he wasn't running better because he's like, come on, man, come on, catch up to them. So, like, it was it was exciting. It's all about the environment you watch uh, races in with. So that that was fun for me. And then uh, 12th place Bubba, we talked about him. And then just got to give a shout out to Michael McDowell. Uh, he had a 13th place finish, but he had a way better day than that. He was running solid in the top 10 for much of the second and third stage. Uh, I think he was another victim of uh, some guys taking different pit strategies. I think he came in for four tires. Uh, I'm not exactly sure, um, but I think that's why he got shuffled back. And then uh, last place. Here on the Bump and Run podcast, everyone loves to talk about the winner of the race, uh, one Chase Elliott. We got to talk about the loser uh, of the race, the guy that came in last. It was one Alex Bowman, and it was from no fault of his own. He got taken out by who I think is one of the the biggest wrecking balls in NASCAR. Uh, Move over Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Corey LaJoy is uh, pushing uh, Alex Bowman out of the way in the corners and, and putting him into a wall. His tire went down, destroyed the front of his car, uh, and he ended up finishing last place. So what did you guys think about that? I know that was early on in the race, so you guys uh, got to see that all unfold. As uh, as William Byron was uh, having issues in the same exact lap, two Hendrick cars out at one time. It made me nervous for sure. I mean, I know the Bowman thing, you know, wasn't his fault, but uh, yeah, two two of uh, two of the teammates for Hendrick were 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 out of the race early. I just thought it's gonna be one of those days for Hendrick, isn't it? But uh, boy, oh boy, was I wrong. Yeah, yeah was- Corey Joy, just a, you know, he kind of reminds me a little bit of like Ross Chastain in the trucks coming through Xfinity, like that super aggressive, doesn't know when to use it, yeah, and when not to use it. Um, because, you know, Corey does put together decent races here and there. Um, but I, I just, I remember watching him when we were at Dover, just absolutely driving like an idiot. Um, cause he was bumping everybody that was around him. And it just so happened that Reddick and Eric Jones, and, um, I think it was Almendinger, they were all racing around each other in like 15th, 13th. And it's like, oh, yeah, was, was just and holding just everyone like, up. And it's like, dude, what are you doing? Like, you're, you're not like, oh, like he does frustrate me at certain racetracks. Like if he could just learn how to use that and time it a little just better. Harness it, um, you know? But yeah, he, he is a wrecking ball, Whitey. But uh, yeah, that's, that's all I have for the race weekend. Uh, you guys want to jump into the pick lanes? Pick all right, let's uh, let's go. We're in the home stretch, baby. It's a little seventh inning stretch. We'll finish this uh, podcast out strong. Uh, the choose cone is out. I got some questions for you guys to debate. You pick the lane. Uh, the first one, the pre and post race this week were on the Peacock app. Is that a big deal for you guys? Uh, would you pay extra for those segments? Or are you okay missing out on the, uh, the pre and post race show during a regular broadcast? Uh, that's a big deal for me. I'll tell you what, admittedly, just candidly, I did not know that. I thought it was really weird that, oh, this is NBC's first NASCAR broadcast of the season. Why is there literally no pre-race show? It's coming on the air at 5 o'clock, and because the the weather pushed up the start of the race, there was literally no pre-race show. I thought that was really weird, and until 
I read your rate, uh, the 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 notes that you ran that you sent over for the show today. I didn't even know that that Peacock had the pre and post ratio. So that would have been nice to know. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I like. I like to see all that, you know, that's where um, you get that little bit of information to kind of set the tone and set the, um, you know, the stage for what you're about to see. Um, and it gives you a better idea of the racetrack, what to look forward to, what not to look forward to and who's going to do well and why. And that's all like goes into, you know, um, to like now at the end, the cutoff line is going to come into play. I want to know before the race even starts who the cutoff line is. So that and post race, obviously post race, you want to know if there's any drama, you want to see any of that kind of stuff go down. So yeah, yeah, that, that is really, really important to me. And it should be for most fans. I would assume. Whitey, is that, is that going to be the norm the rest of this whole season for NBC? That's that's what I'm trying to look up now. I'm trying to find if I could find like the the broadcast schedule or I'll anything. Be, I'll be honest with you. If that's the case, like if it's for every once in a while because of programming dilemmas or whatever, whatever, you know, I can adjust to it as as long as I know about it beforehand, uh, you know, because I, I do get Peacock. So it, as far as the access is, is, is uh, it's not a big deal for me because I, I do get the Peacock. But but it would kind of be a bummer if I had to switch over to an app before and after every race because, like Eric just said, I like getting all that information downloaded onto me before the race starts too. Most of the time on, on a race Sunday, I, I specifically set aside time before the race, get all my stuff done so I can sit down, relax, get all that pre-race stuff put onto me so I'm ready by the time the green flag drops. So um, – Again, I guess, you know, it's not at the end of the day, it's not a huge deal if I still have access to it on Peacock, but I would I would like it if it was just all on on the same on the same broadcast. Well, we know it's not a big deal for uh one of the three of us here as well, far as the, the pre-race <laughs> stuff goes, because I doubt one of us, I'm not gonna say any names, probably never saw any pre-race <laughs> show ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that one person that you're talking about i won't name any names either because i don't know but i bet you that one person that you're talking about barely even sees the start of the races let alone the two races. um i've only missed two starts to the races uh Whoa, this whitey, season whitey, whitey we never said we were talking about you i yeah, mean what, it, what is this i don't know names were after <laughs> so i was just trying to look it up to see if i could find the pre-race uh, to be honest with you i haven't seen a single pre-race all season long uh i i I i've maybe seen two national anthems uh together you're gonna be 34 next year next month usually (laughs) well usually we're running errands and stuff i'm literally running earlier i'm running through the door and turning the tv on as like the cars are coming out of four to take the why green you, flag. Why don't you adjust? Why don't you adjust the time that you run errands like an hour earlier? It, you want to know what it go? It it's it's you'd have to be a therapist to be able to figure it out because it goes back that far. I've I procrastinated so. my entire life uh, to the point where I know no other way. Okay, you know, like I I've been I. I show up late for work every single day. And when I say I'm late for work, 
Today, I punched in at eight after. Yesterday, I punched in at 11 after. I, I, it's to the point where my boss made a joke one day where he's like, I'm going to change your start time to quarter after. That way you're on time. And I said, Charles, if you could do that and don't tell me you did it, you'd really be doing myself a favor. You know, it's just, it's one of those things. It doesn't matter what time I have to be somewhere. I'm not going to be on time. And I try, I try to be on time every week. I go on, I look at what Bob Pocker says. He goes, oh, 314 green flag. Oh, perfect. I'll be home by three o'clock. No worries. And sure enough, I'm driving down the Ave, listening to the Motor Racing Network broadcast. And when the anthem comes on, I know I got to. I got about three minutes to get home and I'll be okay to catch the, uh, the beginning of the race, but it, there'll be, there's going to be a new segment on this show. Did what he did. Why did he watch the pre-race cover? <laughs> uh, but you want to know what, if it's on Peacock, maybe I'll, I'll download the app. That's the thing. My, my whole thing is I love post-race. I want the post-race coverage. I want to know what I missed throughout the race. I want to hear from every single driver. I really do. Uh, maybe not like 20th and back, but I want to know all these little storylines so I could talk about them here on the podcast. That's why the motor racing network and, and, and Sirius XM, they do a great post race show. You get all the coverage you need yeah. there. Um, Claire B Lang, Lang is fantastic with that stuff. And, um, and I want that post race out of NBC. So I might sign up for peacock to see what kind of post race we're getting the thing is though i'm just so sick of signing up for all these services and i have to thank you matt for giving us your passwords to cable and stuff because without that like thank you for your service we would not be able to watch racing every week to be honest with you i'm gonna change the password one of these weeks right before the race starts you want to know though you're gonna well please don't do that i'll be in fucking panic i would know uh you're gonna have to send that password for xfinity over again though i tried to type it in this week it wasn't active i used your old cable provider this week it's still good i I handed i handed that equipment in today so okay so i assume that's going off the air and uh well well, i don't know if there was a period at the end there was an at in the middle i'll give you the new information okay i appreciate that one uh but you want to know what though if they are going to be on peacock for the rest of the season i think i'm going to have to bite the bullet and buy buy peacock monthly or whatever it is i think it's five bucks a month i'm just i'm just sick of paying for all these services you know i think i think that's the running joke anymore with with you know you pay for more services than you did for cable you know so i don't know but uh yeah, that's my spot. Choose Cones back out. With the amount of winners we've had so far this season, do you see any one driver above others as a favorite to win a title? I know, Matt, going into the season, you said Ryan Blaney was your favorite to win just off of, you know, preseason predictions. But but uh, do either of you guys have, like, a favorite to win right now? I don't. I would like to say, uh, you know, may, you know, may hopefully Chase Elliott, but... I I'm not confident in saying he's going to be a favorite over a Ross Chastain, a Kyle Bush, a Kyle Larson. Yeah. I don't, a Denny Hamlin, if Denny can get hot, you know, I know the first couple months of the season haven't been the best to Denny, but if he can turn things around, I mean, he's starting to find speed like all of JGR is, uh, he could be a contender come, come playoff time. So 
I really don't, me personally, uh, I'm going to take the high line on uh, at the choose cone. I'm saying, no, I don't have a clear-cut favorite right now. How about you, Eric? Um, I, I don't have a clear-cut favorite, but my gut is telling me that if you're a driver that has been running consistent, maybe not getting the wins or maybe have a win, um, you're looking good. I, I think these drivers that stay out of the spotlight and go under the radar um, sometimes have a better shot in the playoffs just because less pressure. They're just doing what they've done all year. There is no pressure to keep winning if you just don't win at all, you know? So it's like one of those situations. Um, like like Blaney right now, like I predicted him to have a hell of a summer coming up. So yeah. if he has a hell of a summer, doesn't necessarily get a win, let's say, but he still has those top five, top tens and runs super consistent every week. He's going to fly under the radar still like he has been. And I think a guy like that come playoff time, and Matt, I agree with the Denny Hamlin thing. Someone that could get through adversity of a season like Denny and still have two wins and still week to week, you know, struggle but come back and find ways to win, that, that's a team that could win a championship. Get through that adversity. You've been through the ups and downs, and you still have two wins. So the mentality is there for them if they find the speed like they have been. But to say one single guy, I'm going to say no because it all depends on who comes off those haulers every week. Some teams hit, some teams don't. And from week to week, even some of these major teams, it's, they're flopping. They're yeah. not hitting every week. And with these practice being so low, um, you know, with the times, I just think it's literally a guessing game for these car chiefs setting up that car and who's going to come off that hauler. Yeah, I, I don't even know where to begin. You know, the parody this season is just so intense. Like, and like you said, it makes it hard. Yeah, and like you said, like Matt, you know, a guy like Denny, he could he could get hot in the middle of the the playoffs. He did it last year. You know, he was super consistent last year, and then he was on fire as soon as the playoffs started. And then and then he, you know, in the end, of course, Denny doesn't win the title. Um, but it, it's just one of those things. I, I I wouldn't even know where to begin. Uh, I wouldn't even know which manufacturer to pick at this point right. because it seems so up and down. Uh, but we're running out of a little bit of time. Uh, just one last pick a lane then. Uh, stick with Nashville Super Speedway or move forward with the fairgrounds. Fairgrounds has been a, a goal for a long time for a lot of people, uh, especially at SMI. Uh, are you guys happy with staying at the Nashville Super Speedway or do you want to see us still go to the fairgrounds? I like what I've seen from the super speedway, but I've had time to mull it over. And at the end of the day, I would like to see, I, I'm a, I, I believe um, that the fairgrounds are like literally in downtown, in downtown, Nashville, like right, right in city limits. So I would like to see NASCAR put on a show in the city limits of Nashville. That, that town has, that, that town is kind of goes hand in hand with what NASCAR is all about. Um, I would like to see NASCAR be celebrated uh, with, with the city of Nashville and not really on the outskirts where the super speedway is. So uh, I had time to think about it and uh, I would like to see them move forward with the fairgrounds. All right. How about you, Eric? Yeah, I'd like to see them. We saw two races here. Um, I'd like to see them run over there at the fairgrounds as well. And just something about um, 
it just change the name super speedway to me I, I, I that's plate race to me like yeah the national super speedway like no you're not like that just annoyed the shit out of me so um change your name bitch um i agree with both of you guys but i would like to see uh <laughs> i would like to see a combination of the two uh because they are both uh would be run by smi so uh, go to the fairgrounds one year, the next year, give the date to the super speedway and, and go back and forth. I don't want to see two dates in Nashville though. I want to see uh, one right. day in that right. market. I don't want to oversaturate the market, uh, but that's all I have for the pick lanes. Uh, and we're going road course racing. we're heading to Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin to road America. Xfinity will be on track Saturday at two 30 for the Henry one eighty. That's on USA network. And then couple be on track Sunday, at 3 PM for the quick trip two fifty, presented by jockey made in America and practice and qualifying will be Saturday morning, 1130 on USA. We picked our drivers to win in Nashville. None of us got it right. We had a four race uh, winning streak uh, going and uh, we lost Chase Elliott, your winner. Um, Eric was the closest. He picked Ryan Blaney. He got you 44 points. Matt came in second this week. He got you uh, 43 points. He picked Kyle Larson and I came in last. I picked William Byron. He got me a whopping two points after being taken out early in the day and then uh, coming back just to make up laps later on in the, the race. Um, so I get to pick first for road America. Matt gets to pick second and Eric gets to pick, uh, last Matt, do you have the stats we need to make an educated guess? What is the Vegas odds telling us for road I America? Sure, I sure do. The quick trip two fifty uh, uh, at road America. It is on the third of July, but it is 4th of July weekend. We can celebrate the whole weekend with fireworks. And one of these drivers that I'm about to mention, I believe is going to be putting on fireworks on Sunday up there in Wisconsin. So the, uh, the betting, the betting lines here are provided by DraftKings. Uh, I, I'm going to give you the top 10 and uh, the top 10 favorites uh, odds wise. So we'll start with uh, Austin Sindrick, Christopher Bell and Joey Logano all at plus 1500. There's one guy in there that I really like. There's one guy in there that I think should have better odds. Um, and that's maybe just a little hint at who I might be picking this week. Okay. Uh, Ryan Blaney, Martin Truex Jr. And Denny Hamlin all at plus 1200. Again, all these guys can't could win the, this race coming up. Great odds. Uh, Kyle Busch at plus 900. Ross Chastain at plus 800. Kyle Larson at plus 600. And then, of course, whenever you're going to a road course, your favorite's going to be Chase Elliott until proven otherwise. He is at a plus 500. Still great odds and a chance to win some money if you do play some money on him to win the race. All right. I am going with a long shot. You didn't even say his name. I have Don't a feeling. Don't you dare. Don't you fucking have, dare, Whitey. I have a, Don't you dare. I have a feeling that you know oh, you who I'm picking. Pick. You're gonna do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. He's at a plus 2,500. It's a road course. He's running out of options. He's running out of time to make it to the playoffs. He's sitting out looking in. I am picking my guy, Tyler Reddick, to get his oh. first win at Road America on 4th of July weekend. Is that what you're going to pick, Eric? Oh, I'm good. I'm still good. Okay. No, I'm, still right. good. I'm still good. You were going to take Ty Dillon, weren't you? i'm taking him all right that leaves my first pick wide open for me 
uh, I told you he was within that uh, that uh, that grouping of uh, plus fifteen hundred. Uh, he came in second last year. JGR is running well. I am taking Christopher Bell in the number twenty to finally get it done at Road America. I think I think that's a good pick too. All right, so I'm going with the long shot as well, Whitey. Um, go with my gut. Um, we've mentioned this guy as running really well, consistent this year. No um, way. Top 10 all day, more than he's ever had. No. And this is his best racetrack that he's going to. This is the time when we're all talking about how many winners. And we don't need any extra winners, Whitey. But I picked one first-time winner this year. And I'm going to pick not his first win, but I'm going to pick another first-time winner for this season, and that's the 34 car wow. of Michael McDowell. You the what? love machine is going to victory lane, baby. Let's go, Michael McDowell. Wow. I, I doubted him at Sonoma. I'm not doubting him this week at Road America. I think that's an excellent pick. Uh, all right, Matt, we've, we keep forgetting every week. Uh, head-to-heads, we got three minutes, so let's power through these real quick. All right, very, very quick. Um, they were kind of random this week. The first head-to-head is uh, Christopher Bell versus Denny Hamlin. Teammates, Christopher Bell at a plus 100, and Denny Hamlin the favorite in this head-to-head uh, at minus 120. Uh, I picked Christopher Bell to win the race. I'm picking Christopher Bell here. I agree with you. Give um, me C. I'm Bell. going Denny. All right. Okay, uh, next one. Tyler Reddick versus William Byron. They got into it a few times last year. Is there still a rivalry there? They are both uh, <laughs> neck and neck at the same exact odds in this head-to-head, both minus 110. Uh, I'm taking Tyler Reddick. I, I, you already know. I'm taking Tyler Reddick. You know what? Fuck Tyler Reddick. He's going <laughs> to be in the grass all fucking day. Willie, two clocks over Reddick. Okay. Next one, Ford versus Ford. Ryan Blaney at a minus 115 versus Austin Sindrick. They are teammates at a minus 105. Uh, Ryan Blaney, the slight favorite there. I am taking Ryan Blaney. You know what? I'm going to go with the underdogs this week. I'm going to go with Sindrick. He tends to run well. He's got this cup car under him a little bit. I think a road course, I think he's going to do fairly well. Going with the two. Yeah, uh, man, this, this is really tough. Give me Austin Sindrick. Blaney's just too hit or miss every now and then. Uh, I think Sindrick did really well last time. Uh, so we will see. We'll see what happens uh, this Sunday, 3 p.m. for the quick trip, 250 presented by Jockey Made in America on USA. We're 17 races in. We have 12 different winners. Uh just mentioned Austin Sindrick, Kyle Larson, Alex Bowman, Chase Briscoe, William Byron, Chase or Ross Chastain, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch, Chase Elliott, Joey Logano, Kurt Busch, and Daniel Suarez all locked into the playoffs. There is four open spots. Can Tyler Reddick take one of those spots? Can Michael McDowell take one of those spots? Can Christopher Bell, who's already pointed his way in, lock himself in with the win? We'll find out this Sunday 3 p.m. on USA Network, and we'll break it all down for you next Tuesday night. We're taking the fourth off to enjoy the holidays. For Matt the Statman Riley, for Eric Daytona Ron, I'm Michael D. White saying have a good night. The bump and run. There it is.